All right, real quick, at 30 minutes, and we're going through two weeks. How about that? And if I, all right, um, anybody want to mention what week we're on? All right, there we go. Just finished, just finished nine. So what I want to do is I want to kind of just ask some questions. Um, I don't, I, I don't, you don't want to hear me all night, but I want to kind of talk through some things and just kind of review. <coughs> Excuse me. I do know um, sesh, by session nine, we've gone through what? All seven realities, right? Um, so all of you should know them by memory now, right? No, I know you don't, but that's all right. Um, I want to I do a little review real quick. You help me out. Don't look in your book, all right? I'm going to look in my book. That's bad. It sounds like I'm cheating. Um, but I got, there's, there's a, a part in here I want to use. So I'm going to give you two words, and you're going to help me finish them. How about that? All right, so I'm not looking for perfection from you. All right, so here we go. Number one, we already gave you this one, so this is easy. God works, or God's work, sorry. What's the first reality? Here you go. God is always at work around you. What a great, I, I, and I think we can claim that as a promise that we know that God is always at work around us. Um, number two, here's the two words, love relationship. I love this one. That's it, and personal. I love the first two words. God pursues. God pursues. Not me, but God. And he pursues that continuing relationship. Um, I think it kind of goes along with what we talked about in Philippians too, that working out our salvation. God's continuing. He wants that relationship to continue. This is not a one-time thing in the beginning where he saves us from our sin and we are his and adopted and that's it. It's a continuing relationship that we work on. Number three, God invites. All right? God invites you to join him, to become involved in his work. All right? So we know God is already at work over here, right? Let's get this picture in our head. And I love this because I think, I don't remember if it's session nine or session eight, but he talks about that this is not some, you know, foolproof step-by-step method, Okay? He's just saying, overall, this is how we see God working in, in, the, in the Bible, okay? So it's not like, you know, day one, okay, step one, God's working. All right, finish that one, and I move on to the next. So, but we just, just get this in your head. We know that all the time God's working around us. You know what's cool is that you could probably look right next to you, and God's probably working something out in their life beside you, maybe in front of you, behind you. We just never know, right? We never know what people are going through and what God's doing in their life. Sometimes it's good just ask, hey, what, what's God doing in your life? You know? So God's always working, and then God pursues that continuing relationship with you, and then God invites you to become involved with him and his work. Number four, God speaks. God speaks by what? The Holy Spirit, all right? And then what's the rest of it? Through, what was the four things? Man, y'all doing good, better than me. And so God speaks to the Holy Spirit that lives in us, right? And then he, he, through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church, why? Why does God speak? Okay, let's back up, because I don't want to forget this. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong, you're right. But God reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways, we see this all through the Old Testament and, and, and New Testament, but in the Old Testament we see as he, and he interacts with some of these guys there. 
that he reveals who he is. Oftentimes, someone would ask, who do I, who do I say sent me? I am. You know, you, you see who God is, and then he reveals the purpose behind what he's going to do, and then he reveals how he's going to do it. Now, what I like about that is this, that it's his ways, not my way. Okay? So remember that, that God speaks to the Holy Spirit through Bible, prayer, circumstance, and the church to reveal himself, his purpose, his ways. Number five, this is where it gets a little tougher, right? We're about to get personal here. Number five, crisis of belief. <laughs> you, you said that like you're unsure. I don't know. I couldn't hear it. God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. God's invitation leads to a crisis of belief. Somebody explain to me, what does that mean? All right, there's this question like, is that, is that you, God? <laughs> what else? Okay, maybe a little clarity. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like. Mm. I think sometimes it's, is he able? God, I, I know you said. Yeah. We start to question God, basically. It is a point where, okay, this is, this is the crisis of belief. God's saying that he's, he's doing this. He's inviting me in on this, and I'm going, what? And then I'm saying, okay, am I going to trust him and follow him, or am I going to continue to step back and go, I'm, I'm just not sure that God can do that in my life? And, and I love the end of it. It says it requires two things. What? Faith and action. Not just faith, but action too, right? There's gotta be some feet to it. We get to this crisis of belief. God says, this is what I'm doing and I want you to move. I want you to do this. Think about this. Think about Noah. God comes to Noah and he says, I want you to build an ark because I'm gonna flood the place. And Noah, if he just would have said crisis of belief, hey, okay, God, I believe you and sat there, what would have happened to Noah? He'd have drowned too. It took action. He had to take action. He believed God. And this is a cool thing. The action that he took showed his belief, did it not? So there's faith in action. Here's number six, major adjustments. This is the one we don't like. I remember somebody telling me early on, said, man, if I'd have known what God was gonna do in my life through this book, I would have put it back on the shelf. Major adjustments, what was it? You must Make, <laughs> you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. There must be major adjustments made sometimes in our life that, that all of a sudden, if I'm, if I'm gonna take God at his word and I'm gonna believe him, it's one thing to believe him, it's another thing to actually put feet to it and obey. I said, all right, God, you call. I got a funny story later. I need to, sh man, let me share this. This is a funny story. Tony told me this the other day because we were talking about God working and calling us, you know, and, 
it, Tony said his, his dad works in a, main, in, a, in a tall building in Cleveland, and he's a maintenance guy, and he said a lady got stuck in an elevator, and she was Italian, and they were t- calling out to her and saying, you know, all this stuff, and she couldn't understand them. So they said, and, t- and Tony's dad speaks Italian. So he comes over there, he starts talking to her, calm down in, in Italian, and she, she yells up, and she goes, God? <laughs> Thinking God's Italian or something, but... When we hear God, that's his invitation, all right? So when we hear God, that's his invitation to join him. So what, do we, what should we do? What does what the inexperience in God say? When we hear God to join him on what he's doing, what are we supposed to do? Be obedient. And obedience takes what? Adjustment, sometimes faith. But you, you remember, um, I think it was in session eight, he, he gave us a little diagram of faith plus, what was it? Faith and action but action equals adjustments and obedience. Major adjustments in our life, but it also takes obedience. All right? So here's the, here's the last one. And this is so cool because we think, okay, the whole book is, I just closed that. The whole book is called Experiencing God. So how do we experience God? We get to reality number seven, and what does it say? It says you come to know God by experience as you obey him. As you obey him. Let me tell you something. We probably could have saved 15 bucks and saved us 13 weeks if you would just listen and say, listen, if God calls, obey him, right? I mean, I know there's just a lot of good stuff, and I told you we were going to do this because I love all the material in here and what he teaches us. But if it gets down to it, what is, what is the gist of it? Just obey him. Remember the old hymn? What was it? Trust and obey. He, he put that in the Experience of God book. Just trust and obey. L- let, me, let me ask you some questions. Here, here's a good question that, that I highlighted in the leader guide, and, and I think this kind of goes with what we just talked about. Uh, but here's the first question. <clears throat> no, this is not it. Listen to this. How important is obedience to God? That's a pretty simple question, but think about this. How important is obedience to God, and why do you think that? Right. Mm. What, what was our memory verse week eight? I know you know it. It does, doesn't it? Turn to John 14, 23. Let's get in the scriptures. John 14, 23. I, I remember going through this this summer and I read that and I was looking at it again last night and this verse, it just... I don't know, it, it baffles me every time. It, but, but here it is, 14, verse 23, what does he say? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. 14, what did I say, John 14, 23? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this session nine? Sorry, sorry, sorry. See, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. If you love me, you'll obey me. This is what I struggle with. And I know, I hope you guys do, but there's times in my life where I don't obey him. Then I go, God, does that mean I don't love you? The simple fact, this relationship that we have with God, he's asking one thing, just do what I say. 
Why is that so important to God? Why is this so important in experiencing God? Why is obedience the one thing? Yeah. I remember somebody asked me one time, or I read an article, I'm sorry, and it was like, you know what? Sin's not just so much. We're not upset about sin just because we broke a command. It's not just about breaking a command. I was thinking about with Jackson one day. He, he lied to us. My son's, a, he's, man, pray for him. He lied to us one day, and I, I got so upset because, you know, it's just one of those things. You, you know, when, you, when your kid does something and they, they do it again, they do it again, you tell, and you keep correcting them, and, 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 and they went away that morning put him to school, sent him to school, and I went away going, God, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with it? I can punish him. He can take away things, but how do I, how do I deal with this? <clears throat> and I started thinking about this and, and, and helping him understand this in his little mind. I said, sin is more than just breaking a command. Sin is, is about choosing. Choosing God or choosing myself. Choosing his ways or choosing my ways. When I come to it and I say, you know what? The things that I struggle with, when I struggle with that thing and I choose that thing, I'm breaking a command of God's, but I'm doing more than that. I'm doing more than just breaking a law. I'm choosing to go my way instead of God's way. Ultimately, it's just a selfish thing, right? It's choosing self over what God wants for my life. And we know why God wants this for our life. We know why God wants us to be obedient. It's, it's for our good. I mean, think of Adam and Eve. Why would he tell them, don't eat that? It's for their good. We choose God or we choose self. Obedience is important from the very beginning. Obedience played a part in the relationship between God and man. And they struggle with it, and we struggle with it. But God says, if you want to experience me, if you want to experience this kind of life, just obey. Wish it was that simple, right? That we could just get that in our head. Go to Luke, Luke fourteen thirty three. That was session eight, and I want to I want to read this one, and I'm going to have to. Well, I got got a few minutes. Luke fourteen thirty three. You remember the story in Luke fourteen? Who comes to Jesus here? Oh, this is not not the the, the passage, but listen to this. Starting in in verse twenty five. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, and his wife, and his, 
his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be not a disciple. Three, th- three times he tells the crowd that they cannot be his disciple if they do something, okay, or not do something. So catch this. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be what? My disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Giving up everything. Remember the rich young ruler? They shared this in one of the sessions. You remember the rich young ruler comes and Jesus says what to the rich young ruler? Go sell everything. What was the problem with that for the rich young ruler? He was wealthy. But was that the big problem? What was the problem for him? A heart problem. Somebody said it a while ago, the priorities. All of a sudden, we begin to to prioritize everything in our life. I looked at that, that verse in, in Luke 14 also, and I think anyone who's not willing to give up everything, am I willing to give up everything? Am I willing to give up my life? Am I willing to choose God over everything else in my life? And I sit there and thought about that. I said, what are, what are the things that immediately go to my mind that I need to give up? Not, not just need to give up, but what are those things I think about first? You know, when, when somebody tells you, if you'll give up everything, then you can be my disciple. What, what do you think about? Let's, let's talk about it right now. What do you think about when you hear that? If Jesus said, if you're not willing to give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. What are the things he think he, that you're thinking about he says give up? Comforts. Job. Family. What kind of comforts? Phone. Home. status, position that we have, or time, time, money, willing to become an outsider, okay, not being of the world, my plans, Surrender. He talks about this, and in, in, I'm getting them both mixed up, but he talks about total surrender. I know God's at work, and I know God wants to invite me in that work. Where's the hang up? Am I willing to surrender everything so that I can join Him for His ways? His purposes. There's no question about it. God demands total surrender. That God is expecting a total dependency on him. I mean, if he says this, I mean, in several different ways that 
If you don't even hate your own life, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't carry your cross, this death instrument, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you can't give up everything, you can't be my disciple. I thought about that long and hard today. I thought, what are the things I'm willing to give up? And I, don't, I think Pastor's right, too. It's, it's not so much the stuff in our life. I don't think the rich young ruler went away or... or he went away thinking one thing, that it was my material possessions, but I don't think that was so much Jesus' intent. Now, yeah, those possessions probably were interfering his heart, but I think the bigger picture was, am I willing to surrender my life, my plans, my purposes, my ways, everything for Jesus? You know what? If that means sell everything, then I hope I can do it. If that means selling everything and moving to another country, okay, God, but is that his purpose for my life? Is that the way that he wants me to be involved in, in the work that he's doing? But he's all, all he's calling for is this. He's calling for obedience. I, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we need that will cause us to have that kind of action in our life? trust him. I, I, I think this is the thing. The more we get to know him, you remember what, what, what God does. God speaks to the Holy Spirit, the Bible, prayer, circumstance, church, and he reveals what first? Himself. The more we begin to see who God is, the more he reveals himself to us. I believe we get to that point, we begin to trust him more because we know this is who he is. And then we act. I mean, you think about it. You think Noah would have built an ark if he didn't know that God could flood the earth and save his family? I think he knew that. Abraham. You think Abraham would have left everything to go somewhere that he didn't even know where he was going if he didn't know who God was and trust him? And did he, did he know everything about God? No, but he knew enough that he could trust him. And every time he was obedient, he knew a little bit more about God and how he could be trusted. I'll never forget this, and, and I think I wrote it down in my notes here. Yeah, here it is. Obey what you already know. Obey what you already know. So many times we get hung up on the things we don't know. But yet there's some things over here that we do know, and we need to be obedient in that. There's things that we know God has called us to be obedient in. He's commanded us, and we still don't do those things. And we're more worried about the big picture over here of, God, what, what do you want to do down the road? And all he's telling us is just be obedient. Be obedient what you already know. And the more we do that, the more we begin to know who God is and that we can trust him and that he is able, 
that he is powerful, that he is trustworthy. Faith, action, means adjustments to our life and means obedience. Every single one of us can go away from tonight going, you know what, I need to work on that. I need to work on the obedience in my life. There's things in my life. What is it right now? What is it right now in my life that I'm not being obedient in? Where am I choosing self instead of choosing God? I often wonder why we don't see God do some of the amazing things that we see him do in the Old Testament. And I started thinking today, you know what? It's probably my fault probably my lack of trust it's probably because I haven't made the adjustments in my life that I need to make that God's calling me to make and I haven't been obedient in the things that I know to be obedient in if we're going to experience God if we're going to experience God there needs to be obedience in our life trust him for who he is Why do we not trust him sometimes? Why do we not trust him sometimes? That's a question. I don't. Too hard. Right. Total dependence, total dependence on God. What if we surrendered everything right now, starting tonight? What if every single one of us walked out of here going, God, everything is yours. I give it up. I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about just this heart. God, I trust you. Trust you that you are big enough, that you are good enough, that you are powerful enough. And I'm going to obey you. What if we made that kind of commitment tonight? I don't know what those things would be that God would do in our lives. Listen to what that last one says again. You come to know God by experience as you obey him. And then the last part I didn't read to you. Did anybody catch that? And he accomplishes his work through you. I want God to accomplish his work through me. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of accomplishing things on my own. We can do that, right? We can accomplish things on our own, and it looked good. And people pat us on the back and be like, man, that was a great job. You did a great job. And the whole time I'm going, that was just me. Wasn't that big a deal. God said we come to know and experience him by obedience. And then he accomplishes his work 
through us. And what if we began to see God accomplish his work through us? What kind of things do we think would happen? God things, right? Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I need to just pray for myself, God. Would you help me? Would you help me right now, God? I'll just surrender everything to you. Give it up, all of it up, God. Lord, whatever major adjustments you need to do in my life, God, would you show me? Whatever it takes for me to be obedient to you. Whatever you want to do in my life, whatever you're working on, God, Lord, help me, show me. Father, I pray that for all of us. God, would you help us to be be obedient and just trust you. You are strong. You are powerful. You're the creator of this universe. Why would I not trust you, God? Lord, I pray tonight we walk out of here just giving it up. Giving up everything so that we could follow you. See you do your work through us. That's our prayer. God, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for for showing us, Lord, where, where we're wrong or where we need to go, Father, or what you're doing. Lord, I pray that you continue, as you continue to pursue that love relationship with us, God, just continue to open our hearts and our minds to what you're doing around us, Lord, so that we can join in and that we can see the power of God move. Thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here.